a Tricky Kid Media Original, distributed by iHeartRadio. Welcome to Prince, the Encore, an exciting addition to the Tricky Kid Radio Podcast Network, where we honor the life and legacy of our greatest inspiration, Prince. What was once a yearly special is now a monthly venture into the vault of his royal badness. Join us for a people's history and hear from those who knew him best, plus fan stories from all over the world and more. And now your host, filmmaker, DJ, and Prince Scholar, Roy Turner. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this week, or I should say this part of our Welcome to America series for Prince the Encore. I am your host as always, Roy Turner. I am so excited because we're finally here. You know, I've had some delays, we've had some troubles, uh, but this, I assure you, is well worth the wait. This will be the best of the series. This might be the best episode I've done, not only for this show, but ever. This is the one I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. I know you've been waiting, but I'm telling you, this is the one. You know what? I really want you to listen to the to the first two. But if you only listen to one episode, I'm telling you, this is the one, and you're about to find out why. Okay. So, assuming you have heard part one, we already have established, of course, uh, that he uh, released the album 2010, went to Europe, came back, announced the tour for Welcome to America, which we assume, of course, is also going to be a new record at the Apollo Theater in October, goes back to Europe for this crazy, chaotic, uh, kind of almost like a big, giant rehearsal, uh, and gets back, and him and the crew get back to America in the middle of November before Thanksgiving. All right. Now we're ready to, about ready to launch this sucker. We're going to launch the Welcome to America tour. And keep in mind, you know, there was no record out. Of course, you know, now we know that, you know, it didn't get released until uh, posthumously uh, in September of 2011, uh, a full uh, 11 years, or 2021, a full 11 years later. But I want you to understand, the, you know, the anticipation here. Now, here is why I feel that this is going to be so great. And this also could get me into a little bit of trouble. This show is designed to be a people's history. I'm not just going to rattle off Wikipedia facts or shit that anybody can read off the internet. It's a, at the people's history. So you're going to have, in order for, me, for you to understand this, you're going to have to also learn a lot about me, which means that I'm going to have to tell you quite a bit about me uh, in this. I guess what I'm going to say is you're going to you're going to you're going to learn a lot about me. Uh, just by happenstance, and that's going to be kind of the fun of it. So, number one, we've got my girl D'Angela Duff. Uh, of course, she does those amazing uh, symposiums as Polished Solid up in Brooklyn, and she, of course, has been on the on the show before. Uh, she's a great friend of mine and a great friend of the show, and um, just one of the, my favorite people to talk about Prince with. And, and she just is such a such a fan. She's dedicated so much of her life effortlessly and selflessly to it to. Uh, his music and message. So, she is she is here, and uh, someone uh, not to be named, <laughs> uh, but you'll get what I mean here in a second. But all I can tell you right now is that this is going to be explosive. 
this, I'm not trying to be all juicy with details, but I've been sitting on this for a very, very, very long time. And now is the time to tell this part of the story. And it's a part of the story that most people don't know at all. Not because I'm some cool insider, but just something happened or something happened that, that tended to happen locally that I happened to be near. And so if you weren't here in Dallas in in February of 2011 and you weren't on the inside, then you wouldn't you wouldn't know about this. And, and I, in my opinion, it's one of the most undertold parts not only of the Prince story, but especially about this era. And I just happen to have a firsthand account of it. And uh, and I'm ready to share that with all of you and all my great listeners. Thank you guys so much for subscribing and supporting and being a part of this. And here we go, man. So let's kick this sucker off. So, okay. So now to establish what we're talking about here, it is now December. <clears throat> Now, I was living in New York at the time, but I was now, what you need to understand first is why why now I wasn't in New York is because, well, I should say this. Normally in December, I would not be there anyway because I don't do cold. I'm from the South. So by this time, normally what I would have done is the day before Thanksgiving, I would have come home to Texas and not return really. Uh, until <laughs> I might go back and forth a few times, but but uh, traditionally from 06 to 2012, I was only in New York from March through November, and would also come home even during a little bit during, during that time because I just don't do cold. I would do a thing out in California because I have to be there for Nam in January, and of course. Expo and Coachella and all that in April and all that. So the month of January, I would be in, in, in California. February and March, I'd be back in Dallas. April, back out in Los Angeles. So I was really all over the place during this time and, and only really in New York full time. But it's it's it might seem like I'm oversharing, but here's what you're going. To, you, you have to know that in order to, to get this payoff, okay? Because I'm about to drop some shit on you. So... The tour was supposed to start in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Now, for those that uh, that aren't from the tri-state area, that aren't used to the fact that, you know, like if you live in Texas, the nearest state is hours away, whereas in New York, it's minutes away. And East Rutherford, New Jersey sounds far away from New York. It isn't. It's just over the river. It's just literally just over the Hudson River at now what they were calling the Izod Center. Historically, this was the Meadowlands Arena, a a historic place full of a lot of great shows. Prince had a lot of great shows there over the years. But uh, you can say it got off to a bad start because it was supposed to start on December the 14th, and it did not. Uh, no official reason was given, but all signs point to the fact that actually ticket sales were very, very brisk. They were very slow. Despite the awesome, um, you know, of course, tour announcement at the Apollo that I was there for that you heard in part two. And what supports this is that uh, tickets, even for the actual, sh what became opening night on December the 15th, 
were so slow that everyone that ordered tickets for the canceled December the 14th show were offered tickets for the show on the 15th as a choice instead of a refund. So, like, instead of doing multiple shows there, it was like he was having trouble even doing one night there, which is, which is crazy, all right? But he does get it up. He does get it up and running on December the 15th, and the show... At the, at the Meadowlands Arena, now called the Izod Center. I've been there many, many times for some great shows. Uh, featured the first live performance of Lay Down and Black Muse. With great supporting acts, Esperanza Spaulding and Layla Hathaway. And though he didn't actually play it, but he did, at the very least, recite the lyrics to Welcome to America right before he played Nothing Compares to You. And then he pulls it off again the next night on the 17th. But something also happens on, on both of these nights, on the 15th and the 17th, is there at the venue, there is an actual after show, an after party. It's a little bit different than your traditional, you know, open to the public, somewhere else in the city, small club, impromptu kind of deal in front of a couple hundred people. This was literally in like some little jump in some little side room, just a jam for literally like 30 people. Most of them celebrities that were in attendance that night and only doing mainly like covers. The first night he did the brown skin from Welcome to America. Another great tryout there. Uh, I can remember uh, my man, Dan Jones. Uh, Dan Jones is a guy that I've known from Texas for, God, like 30 years. He moved to New York got involved like with Red Bull and somehow through that he got it. I'm not even sure what the hell Dan does, but he's involved with some type of um, concert promotion in the New York area where he's always everywhere. He's always backstage at the garden and everywhere. And I remember him telling me he was at these two shows and he's not a Prince guy. He's like, golly, like you should have been there. You're the Prince guy. I felt like, man, I was there, but I, I wasn't able to appreciate it the way that I know that you would. But you don't have to take my word for it. And to, well, on those two not two special shows, you do, or at least take Dan's word through me. But in terms of the actual those actual shows, plus what began essentially what you would call a bi-weekly residency, because on the 18th he starts in New York City at the Garden. Two weeks later, on the 29th. Two weeks after that in some change on January the 18th and then finally on February the 7th. So we're going to, I'm going to give you the goods on, again, uh, we've already talked about the 15th and the 17th and those two after shows. And then the 18th, the 29th, uh, I'm sorry, December 18th, December 29th and January 18th, now 2011. I'm going to give you the goods and give you a little bit more goods. But again, you don't got to take my word for it because my girl D'Angela Duff was at quite a few of these shows and we're about to hear from her right after this. The Encore is part of the Tricky Kid Media Network and distributed by iHeartRadio and available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Hi, this is Natalie Cox. I play Juno Eclipse in The Force Unleashed, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Tanner. 
All right, all right. So now it's December the 18th. He's at the Garden, okay? Uh, opening acts were Larry Graham and Grand Central Station, as well as comedian Sinbad. And he starts the show now with the song Welcome to America. It was almost like even the Jersey shows were almost kind of a bit of a of a of a rehearsal for to now he's you know he's where he and he the same city where he announced the tour he's starting the show so this is the first public performance of Welcome to America and he was announced over the introduced over the PA by Sinbad and I'm going to play a, just a little bit of that of Welcome to America at the Garden on December the 18th. I said, how y'all doing? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's give up for the one and only, the last and only, the baddest man in Keep in mind, however, that this is the first show he started doing also, remember, with Questlove from The Roots and featured a grand all-star encore with Sheila E.'s A Love Bazaar. With Sheila E., Questlove, Larry Graham, uh, Bria uh, Valente was there, Alicia Keys, Sinbad, Jamie Foxx, Busta Rhymes, Whoopi Goldberg, Tavis Smiley, I think Spike Lee was there, Naomi Campbell. Uh, just a whole big, big ball of wax there. I know that's how you kick things off, and the show was totally sold out. No, no ticket troubles here. And then he's going to follow it up again two weeks later. You know, it's now December 29th, two weeks later. It's right after Christmas. Uh, and this show is so completely different. He said no two shows would be alike, but this is almost like a regression almost. There's nothing that would suggest anything about Welcome to America. He doesn't play it. He doesn't touch upon any of it. Uh, none of the songs were played, acknowledged, really nothing. And it, But it was still a big old New York City celebrity love affair. Um, with uh, Cindy Lauper was there, who came out and did this time for the encore for Jungle Love. Uh, with Egypt Sherrod. Show was also sold out. Uh, uh, support acts were Mint Condition and uh, Janelle Monet, who came out and did lead vocals on If I Was Your Girlfriend. Uh, Misty Copeland. It was pretty cool. They, he opened the show with the beautiful ones. I mean, I mean, not complaining. I just it's just so crazy how different uh, that was. But again, like I said, you know, don't take my word for it. Here is D'Angela Duff. 
Hello, my name is D'Angela Duff. I curate and organize annual Polished Solid Prince Symposia on Saturday, August 21st. I invite you to a Welcome to America virtual celebration. Look for the hashtag W number two AVC for Welcome to America virtual celebration on Twitter for details. I saw four out of the six New York City area Welcome to America concerts. The first one I saw was the second show in New Jersey at the Izoid Center on Friday, December 17th, 2010, where Cassandra Wilson opened. This was by far my favorite night of the four. I would chase the feeling and experience I had at this particular show at the other three shows I attended, but ultimately I would never get this feeling back. What made this show singular were the two encores. The first was Sheila E., who I hadn't seen with Prince since 1984's Purple Rain concert. Her four-song performance was powerful. She opened with A Glamorous Life, followed by A Love Bazaar. However, the kicker was Prince's final encore with an impeccable four-song sequence. If I Was Your Girlfriend, Insatiable, scandalous and adore. He would repeat the sequence during his New York City residency, but not as the final encore. Ending the show with these four songs was truly indescribable. You had to be there to understand, but let me tell you, the spirit, the Holy Ghost, whatever you want to call it, was up in that venue. On Saturday, December 18th, 2010, I saw my second Welcome to America concert the day after the New Jersey show. It would be the first show of four at Madison Square Garden. I saw three of the four. The first Madison Square Garden show where Sinbad and Larry Graham opened is notable because it included the live debut of the then unreleased track Welcome to America, which of course the tour was named after. The third show I saw was on Tuesday, January 18th, of 2011 and my second favorite Welcome to America experience because Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings opened the show with an explosive performance. Of the four shows I saw, the core show set list as opposed to the encores was my favorite as he performed Another Lover Hole in Your Head, Shh, and Controversy back to back to back. I was in heaven. The fourth Welcome to America show I saw was on Monday, February 7th where CeeLo Green opened and it was also the last one at Madison Square Garden. And it's notable to most because Prince infamously kicked Kim Kardashian off the stage for not dancing. Little would I know that this show would be the last time I would see Prince live. I tried really, really, really hard, but ultimately failed to get tickets to the piano and the mic tour in Atlanta at the Fox. My favorite performance venue because the building itself is just simply magical. I had seen Prince there before for the Act One tour. I gave up and assumed that he would come to New York City and I would try again then, but obviously that never happened. Tricky Kid Radio is distributed by iHeartRadio and is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to Tricky Kid TV on YouTube.com for a stunning visual look at all the fun we have here, plus exclusive content, short films, and more. Follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle, at TrickyKid2, type Tricky Kid Radio Podcast on Facebook, and DJ Tricky Kid on Instagram. Speaking of which, subscribe now to Roy Turner's alter ego DJ Tricky Kid's amazing Twitch channel at twitch.tv 
for retro gaming, exclusive DJ sets, as well as DJ instruction and live streaming of Tricky Kid Radio, where you, the audience, can participate and interact with our guests. Don't miss a single stream, so you can be up to date on the latest on all things Tricky Kid. Subscribe now at twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid. Hi, this is Natalie Cox. I play Juno Eclipse in The Force Unleashed, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Tanner. All right, all right. Like I said, my girl D'Angelo knows her stuff. But now the question we have to answer, the question of you is why wasn't I there? I was, I, was a, I was a New Yorker that year. Why wasn't I there? Well, now we're about to get into it, okay? Because something happened to me in 2010 that forever changed my life. I guess on one hand, I you know, wasn't at the Prince shows, but uh, it's one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me uh, where it's it's like a it's something out of a movie. It's if you've ever have seen the movies and I've seen these movies. So maybe I'm bending the narrative for my own. This really happened. So here's what you need to know. <clears throat> One of my favorite bands in the entire world is the band Faith No More from San Francisco. And they were one of those bands where you were certain that are never, ever going to get back together almost like the Pixies, but like seriously, or like the Talking Heads, it would be a better example because they're one of the few that still have it. And and I love them so much. And in 1998, whatever, when they broke up, it was guaranteed like you're never going to see this band ever again. And so unthinkably in 2009, they got back together uh, and did like, like just a few shows in the UK. And I happened to be in the UK uh, doing a DJ residency uh, at a place called the Buddha Bar, uh, right there, just I think it was a Knightsbridge there in London. And uh, anyway, so I happened to get to see Faith No More at the Brixton Academy, and there's this crazy shot that Blabbermouth.net had taken of of just whatever the photographer was there to take a picture of the marquee, and I happened to be standing underneath it. And in my emaciated New York, not eating, uh, I don't even recognize myself in this photo. And apparently lead guy Mike Patton's having some mental health issues and we wish him all the best. And I love that guy so much. He's been such a, like, literally almost as much as Prince. I mean, like, there's been few names, maybe only Prince and maybe like, you know, Van Halen or something. But Mike Patton is a is a name that is spoken often in this house, in this office. I was also really hoping to have seen the Michael Jackson, uh, um, of course, the residency, the 50 shows. Of course, we know, you know, you know that didn't happen, unfortunately. But anyway, uh, I digress. So you need to understand that now it's a year later from that. I'm back in New York and it's the summertime. And I always tell people, when people always ask me, well, when should I come to, to New York? I always say, come on the 4th of July, which... For our international people, I'm sure you probably know this, but that's our Independence Day, and it's a big deal with fireworks and family and food, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, anyway, so or come during you know Christmas time, but especially you know Fourth of July is great because it's not cold and it's just a, it's just the best, man. It's just the best. New York does Fourth of July the best. So anyway, so on July second, uh, they were not only were Faith No More doing two shows in the New York area. They were doing them in Brooklyn and doing them on the waterfront, the the Williamsburg waterfront, like right there on the water, man. You couldn't ask for, I mean, like if you're on stage, your view is lower Manhattan, 
like from that view. Incredible. General admission show. It's not even, you know, it's not, it's not a venue. It's a it's a waterfront uh, with great opening acts uh, like uh, Rozelle from The Roots and this great comedian named Neil Hamburger. Just a really, really eclectic mix there. Okay. So, and, uh, and of course, it's one of the greatest, you know, concert experiences ever. Two days later, we've got the 4th of July. And in as much as I love the 4th of July in New York, you know, I want to be with my family. I would rather be watching, you know, shitty fireworks in my mom's backyard um, or shooting them off myself if I can, you know, then, but if I, if I can't be home, which is rare that I wouldn't have gone home, uh, you know, the, the next very next best thing, of course, was to be in New York. So had a great weekend there and then was going to return the next day to Williamsburg to see the second Faith No More show. And then something like an earthquake hits my life. And here's what it is. So if you know New York back in the day back then is there used to be this subway line we called the jams. And we called it the jams because it was like, you know, the orange line is like B, D, F, D. And, um, you know, the yellow line is Q, R, N, whatever. Well, the this brown line that nobody ever wrote, I've never wrote it purposely in my life, was the JMZ. Jams, right? And you didn't write it for good reason because you didn't know where the fuck it went, and it was always broken. Well, apparently you had to now, I don't know why, I can't quite remember, but we had to take, or I'll say we, I was solo. I had to take the jams to get to the waterfront, and it was so fucked up, man. It was crazy to the point where it stopped somewhere, and everybody had to get off. And then this, this is the part of the subway that's not underground. This is out in the burbs, man. This is out above ground, way above ground. And you had everybody had to get off and come downstairs. And there was all these kind of haphazard, you know, signs that they had just put up. I mean, they, you know, were trying to solve the solution to find this shuttle bus. It's not, it's not even a city bus. So it's not like you can go, oh, we'll go down there and catch whatever the bus line. And all this crazy shit. And I'm telling you something right now. Let, let me be clear. I am, I am a married man and madly in love with my wife. But all disclaimers aside, before this was, uh, you know, seven long years before uh, Jocelyn and I met, okay, I get off the subway and I see at, at that time the most beautiful woman I have ever seen in my life and to this day, you know, second only to my wife, Jocelyn, just, I don't know, it wasn't, she wasn't, not only was she just beautiful, she was just magnetic. I, I mean, like, you know, you see a cute girl on the subway, you see a cute girl at, you know, at wherever, I don't drink coffee, I was going to say Starbucks, but I don't go in there, but you know, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, you, you know, a, a nice, you know, you hold the door open for this nice girl and then you think about her for, for 10 minutes and think, man, wouldn't that be great? You know, when you're young and, and, and single, which I very much was. So that, you know, feeds into it too. Like, you know, like what, you know, if I were to see this person today, what, you know, I might still go like, my God, what a beauty or wow, what a, what a presence. But it wouldn't make me think, man, God, I wish I wasn't married or, or, or man, you know, or, or some sort of temptation, you know, you know, I'm sure none of those things would happen. So you also have to understand, you know, the, the context. 
But that takes nothing away from the fact is that literally, I'm talking like in the movie Wayne's World where he does that whole like, an old train weaver. I be, I mean, I was floating on air towards this person. And her name is Ana Cortez, Ana Belin Cortez. And uh, she is from Barcelona and just one of those just staggeringly, just shockingly, uh, just literally stop you in your tracks beauties with long black hair and just gorgeous, just her whole demeanor, like Prince says, you know, you talk so smart, you know, you look so neat, like just incredible. And I had no, you know, clue that she was, you know, going, so also going to see Faith No More. It wasn't like I was even hoping it. I was speechless. I'm not kidding. You know, you see people on the sidewalk or on the street. You're not going to, you know, you go into it to, to like a department store. You see a pretty girl. You're not going to hit on somebody at work. It's just one of those things where, you, you know, you think about it for a second and then you, your better judgment gets the best of you and then you might regret it. But most of the time you don't think about it again. This was one of those things where it was like, like divine intervention. Like I had to find out more about this person. And so I'm, I make my way over to her but also not to hit on her or whatever, but it was just like one of these things where it was kind of clear we were both stranded. We just happened to be in proximity, but I was like already smitten. I didn't even said, said one word to her. And I could tell like, you know, she's looking and also what's, she also at that time did not speak English hardly at all. And maybe I think she understood English, but in terms of speaking it, that wasn't really a, her strong suit. She's also kind of a quiet gal as well. One of those people that doesn't, you know, not the, not, not the motor mouth that I am, to be fair. So, you know, I'm not thinking, oh my God, I want to hit on this girl. I wonder if she's going to faith no more. It, what's kicking in is that I just want to help this person. No matter what she looked like. That's just the kind of person that I am. And we were just kind of both just kind of stuck in the situation. So I mentioned movies earlier. Like, have you ever seen like Before Sunrise? You know, Ethan Hawke, the American meets the French girl. And, and, you know, in a very similar kind of situation, even though it happened in Europe and things like that. And I love those movies. I've always hoped I would have an experience like that. And and I, I couldn't have imagined that, that this was happening at that moment. I swear I'm going to get back to Prince, but this is important. So we had to come all the way down these stairs and look around. And, and I'm just the kind of person where I'm from the South. I'll talk to anybody anyway. So literally within five minutes, five to 10 minutes, I was already like, I, not like, hi, I'm Roy. How are you? It was just kind of like, hey, I think we're supposed to go over here. Or, hey, come this way. Follow me. And trust and, and hap, you know, happenstance of, the, of what we were doing kind of bonded us anyway, even if it was a dude, you know? So next thing I know, we're on this bus and I'm trying to explain to her, like, you know, trying to communicate with her. And, you know, I know a little bit of Spanish, but of course it's just like, you know, uh, Texas American Spanish is not the proper Spanish that she speaks. And, and uh, anyway, and so, but it was pretty able to, I was able to codify that, that yes, she too is headed to see Faith No More. And this is great. And we're, you know, we're not seated on this little shuttle bus. We're standing. It's summertime, so she's dressed for the summer. You know, tank top, shorts, just, just devastating. And I'm just smiling at her. I just I can't believe it. 
So I tried to talk to her as much as I could on the way. You know, we had about like a 10, 15 minute ride. And then when it drops us off, we had another like five to 10 minute walk. And she was unbelievable. I mean, like a girl like this, not going to be by herself. Well, long story short, she was there by herself because she was in the country in New York City for a month as part of this ambassadorship for Spain. She's just one of these brainiacs. And anyway, so she's part of this, this, this program that allowed her to travel, which is kind of her bag. Okay, so we get to the venue, but what she doesn't know at this point, of course, that I'm a scumbag uh, that doesn't have a ticket that's going to try to bullshit my way in. I don't even have any money to buy one because I'm, again, a poor uh, dirt bag that's like is barely surviving. And she's like this consulate to the fucking, you know, embassy of Spain. Well... I am pretty charming, though, and pretty cute, especially in 2010. So we get to the venue, and I am trying my best to... And, you, and you know, that shit will fly in a small town. In New York, they've heard it all. They don't give a fuck. And But I've even have, have tried to make it work, but I wasn't really... I wasn't trying to lie to anybody. I, I was... Technically, I really was supposed to be on, on a list, but I never heard back, and I was just going to try to work that a little bit. And, and I know that sounds so awful, but anyway... So she's standing her patient and the show's about to start and I'm, I'm embarrassed. And so I don't know why I'm, I'm just too fucking thoughtful. I was like, hey, just go ahead and go on in and, you know, I'll, I'll find you. And so she goes, OK, I didn't realize later that she actually thought I was trying to get rid of her. Could you imagine? I'm a fucking loser that can't even afford a ticket. You're a consulate to the fucking Spanish embassy and you look like this and you talk like this and you have, you know, and you're amazing. I, I, I would be lucky. I'm just, I can't believe you're, you're even talking to me. So my bullshit eventually uh, was rewarded and I get into the gig. But I forget, but it's general admission and I, she's nowhere to be found. I don't remember anything about that show because all I was thinking about was Anna. Where is she? And will I ever see her again? Like, oh my God. Like, I'm telling you, this was my Ethan Hawke, Julie Delpy moment, right? Okay. So, and I love this band so much. And you would think like, you know, uh, and I did go on to see half the fucking tour. So I'm all good. But, I, but at this moment, I was just like, I didn't care. I just wanted to find Anna. And like, why, why? Like, oh, oh, well, you know, I mean, I'd known this girl at this point, like 20 minutes. Like, why was I so just just moonstruck right so i did the only thing i knew i could do and that was and you're gonna see why how all this pays off in a second and i hope you're enjoying it regardless was i know i'll go to the exit before anybody else this is the only exit so she has to pass by here on her way out no matter what so I, I made sure I didn't care if I, I didn't hear any of the songs or, or whatever. And so I went to the exit, um, you know, when I thought was pretty much towards the end. And I stood there and waited. And I never saw her. And then suddenly, as I was about to go, you just crestfallen, about to give up and leave. Anna taps me on the shoulder. And she's so happy. And I tell her the story. Like, I've been sitting here waiting for you. And that's when she told me, she goes, I thought you were trying to get rid of me. And I was like, are you kidding me? And we went to go get drinks. And then she had this kind of curfew thing where she had to be back in and, and her dorm thing. And, and, and keep in mind the the ages here. I think Anna was 
she was 23, 24, I think. And, you know, and I was already, what, like 36 or something. You know, I was like 10 years older than her. Anyway, but I still had it, man. Anyway, so she, a bit ado, and, you know, her cell phone wasn't going to work. And so she couldn't text me. So I gave her my email address and just praying that I would see her again. And at that time, I was working with a guy named Claude Coleman Jr., who was the drummer for Ween. Um, and he was doing a residency at an Alphabet City. at a, I forget what it's called, something Lakeside Lounge or something. And I just, I sent her the information. And I just prayed, like, I'm going to be here. This is like three nights later. And after we get set up and everything else, and, and the show starts, and I look up across the room and she's she's smiling at me somehow looking even a thousand times more beautiful if this was a movie like this would have been like you know he sees her across the room i don't i walk right up to her i don't even say hello and i start kissing her i am not bullshitting you like i was just i floated to her and immediately started kissing her and she was down man and we went outside and just talked and kissed and just and it was just like the most magical thing it was the before i met my wife it was the most i've ever been in love and when you love somebody like that you always be in love with them right you know i mean to this day i always and thankfully i'm still in touch with anna and she lives in malta now and she's one of the best people that i've, I've, I've ever known and uh and of course you know me i uh but i actually I'm, I'm giving i'm giving the ending away i'm gonna i'm gonna digress on that so anyway so this thing happens to me again that July in 2010. Well, like I told you before, I went ahead and went home. Well, I'm sorry. So let me say this. So Anna and I had a, a few perfect weeks together in New York City where we just walked the streets and held hands and explored and we made out in Central Park and and just I mean one of those like 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 the montage in and in, in graffiti bridge or even in purple rain like I had that moment uh and I'm so grateful for it and I will never ever forget that I was sitting in a fountain right across from Radio City Music Hall and her and I were so in love with each other that we literally wanted to spend as long as literally every like like was like oh hey you know my train's in three hours it's like it's like the um, can't buy me La or that was it uh, what, what's the what's the one with Jennifer Love Hewitt I can't remember um, um, why can't we be friends what what is that what is that I can't I can't remember um, I can't get enough of you. That's what it is. Okay. Anyway, and we were sitting in the fountain, and at one point, I was my head. I was laying my head in her lap, and I was actually leaving the city first. I had to go home, and you know, and it's just it's so painful because what she didn't know is I had run out of money, and I had to go home, and I didn't want her to think I was. I was just. I spent so much time hiding who I was because I loved her so much, and by doing that. I ruined it. I pushed her away. I, you know, I was too dishonest. I was just like, I just, I was just so afraid that if she knew that I, you know, that I was just, I was destitute. I didn't have any money. Again, I was basically sleeping on couches uh, at that point. I mean, I was just, you know, my, my time in New York was coming to an end, even though I did able to extend it for a little bit longer. But anyway, it, it was time to go home. 
And I'm just so glad that I met her before I did. So we made all these promises to each other. And I swear to you, I met every single fucking one of them. And we were going to meet back uh, either in New York or maybe this time, next time, Los Angeles. So next time she come to America that, you know, she could see something. She could see something else, a, a different city, which, of course, if you're European, you know, New York and, and or Los Angeles, this would be the best of both worlds. OK, so it's important for, for me, for you to, to, to know all that. So I go. So I was again, I was sitting in the fountain right across from Radio City Music Hall up until the moment where she had to leave. And I watched her go down that subway and I, I literally walked across mid, Midtown to take the subway back to Brooklyn and literally cried like openly in the street and not caring. I didn't know what to do with myself. I had spent every waking second with this person that I was just like, it's just, it's just crazy. We just, we burned like a twin flame. I'll, I'll never get over it because that that was July by November oh in love with with Anna we 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 would we would talk via you know Skype or Zoom and and we still had this big plan excuse me to uh to now we, that we were building to meet in Los Angeles at uh like like basically the night that he was Prince was playing at Madison Square Garden on the 29th I was going to meet I was going to fly to Los Angeles to meet Anna and we were going to spend the first week together in Los Angeles. Six weeks later, on August 26th, I'm in Austin with Ween, with Claude Coleman and Ween. And the next night, uh, we are in Dallas. And uh, I believe he even had, I even booked him an in-store at Good Records there and all that stuff. And so the night of August 27th, this is another crazy ass story. So you're gonna have to learn a lot about me in order to, to, to get this that they had put us, or I should say Ween, you know, I'm just tagging along here, uh, over at the W Hotel, this super nice, this is super important to the story. At the W Hotel, which is a super, it's like the, it's like the flagship, the, the, one of the nicest, if not the nicest hotel in the city. And I'll never forget that night because they, Mickey, <laughs> It's like the 34th floor, they have like an outdoor pool. And, and Mickey, Dean Ween, uh, took all his clothes off and went running into the pool. We ended up getting locked out of our room. We went to Mickey's room, who ended up pissing in the corner and serving everybody. It was just one of those wild Ween nights. Well, that night at the, um, that night, I meet this girl named Erin. And apparently her and her brother are these just like weaned fanatics and they're from Austin and they had come up and they've gotten money and they come from money. So they're staying, you know, I don't know if they, if they also knew what the band was staying, but they're, they're that level of fan that would, that's, that wouldn't have been above them to also find out where they were staying and everything else. And, and what was crazy was that they're like, their dream was coming true that like, since we needed a place to party, since we got locked out of our room, she... Uh, actually, she was talking to Claude, and Claude was like, "You know what? You want to talk to my friend Roy here." So she started talking to me, and she's a good-looking gal and all that, you know. But I, initially, like I said, I'm all about Anna. And so we went to her room, and she's like getting her, you know, her dream Ween is following her to her room, but her roommate or friend was like hooking up with some dude and wouldn't answer the door. So anyway, whatever. 
Okay. So we had this crazy night. Nothing happened, whatever, you know? And I, I, I don't know how or why we ended up exchanging numbers. I'm months, months later, through a series of crazy dysfunction, I'm still talking on every day by Zoom or Skype, whatever, that that girl, Erin from Dallas, the rich girl, calls me out of the blue because she, I guess, had lost her phone the next day through a bunch of, she's one of these like burning man, I've got the money, so let's just go follow widespread panic for a week and do a bunch of drugs and and has friends with the name of like Chicken and Moonshine and whatever the fuck. Okay, whatever, not my scene at all. She calls me. And I don't even know who this is. And so I'm just a nice guy. And so we ended up meeting at a bar. And we're just kind of talking and stuff. But I'm, I'm also kind of keeping my distance. I mean, like I said, yeah, I would meet a lot of Ween fans that are fanatical and kind of crazy. And also trying to get close to me to get closer to the band. And uh, <clears throat> and so, you know, but she was nice and she was cool. And, you know, and you know, we were hanging out. But again, I, I already had this this long game plan with Anna. I was going to meet Anna in Los Angeles. And so basically we kind of took, you know, a break from hanging out me and Aaron over the, you know, holidays. And I told her, I was like, you know, like I'm going to California for like a month. Cause not only was I, like I told you at the beginning of the story, I also go there for most of the month of January anyway. So I was going out there to meet Anna, spend a week with Anna. We even had a side trip to Vegas planned. I was like hedging my bets, I guess, in case, I don't know, that Anna didn't come to California. I I, I don't know. I, I, I was such an idiot. Okay. So, uh, we already established back to Prince what happened on December the 29th. And uh, so, anyway, so I go out to California. And there was so much freaking trouble because there was like so much flight delays and cancellations and I had some cheap shitty Priceline ticket and they were basically were saying that I wasn't even going to get there to like January 3rd well we were going to be staying with a friend of mine or, or, or who I thought was a friend of mine uh somebody else it's one of the he was going to be out of town so it was just going to be me so me and Anna were going to be staying at his place and he had a couple of roommates but I didn't think it was gonna be that big of a deal and but you know I need to get there all right and so anyway, so she had landed and I was supposed to, you know, have this big rendezvous at the airport and I wasn't there. And I'm thinking, oh my God, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't know how to get around, what's going to happen. And I ended up booking her a hotel at some shitty hotel by the airport there by LAX. And, uh, and I arrived the next day and I will never, ever forget when I finally landed after all this trouble. And I, it was like, I don't know, in the, in the afternoon. And I knew when I walked up to her room that Anna was on the other side of that door is one of the greatest days of my life. And then she opened it. And let me tell you something. If I thought she was beautiful that day of Faith No More, it really was a Dreamweaver moment. Like she opened the door and immediately I walk in and we just, she literally just takes my hand and takes me to the bedroom. Like it was just, we it was just magnetic, man. Okay. Anna and I have this crazy, crazy, uh, you know, adventure, uh, love affair in in uh, Los Angeles. Sadly, because like I said, I'm an idiot. After the end of that week, it was the last time I, I've, I've I've seen Anna to this day. Not the last time I've talked to her. In fact, I just talked to her um, 
our birthdays are both in March and, and, uh, and we, we, we talk occasionally and, and, and I, I, I literally have, have tried before I met Jocelyn in 2017 for the next, what, almost seven years, I, uh, tried to win this woman's trust, uh, back, which I wouldn't deserve. And I don't blame her one freaking bit. Um, but that's just one of the unfortunate things. So if you're ever here to this, Anna, I want you to know that I loved you then and I will always love you no matter what. Okay. So, okay. So here's a reason why you need to know all of that. Because, now I probably could have said, oh, I met this girl and then I met this other girl and I came back. But here's what's important. So I spent almost an entire month uh, or like three more weeks in fact, I can tell you the exact date. Um, there's a thing on my website you can you can actually can read about some of these vendors again. It's called it's called Texas Wing Tricky Kid the the, the oneness and, and and then this whole thing in January. So I had this crazy, dysfunctional, wild ride for a literally a month that culminated again with Ween uh, at the Wiltern Theater there on January 29th of 2011, and I finally went home the next day. And so now Anna thinks, and then this is some shit I want to clear up here, if, if nothing else, is it I Anna thinks that I was happy to see her go when I dropped her off at LAX and she was crying. Now, now in the moment, she didn't tell me, you're glad that I'm, I'm leaving. No, but she was crying. I was crying. But she, to this day, still thinks that I was happy to see her go. Now, let me tell you something else. It's kind of weird. When I picked her up from the airport and the and the and we had to actually after we left her hotel, we had to go back to the airport to pick up a rental car. And in that rental car van, we were all shoved in with all these people. On the radio was Diana Ross's "Upside Down," and that's exactly what Anna did to my life in a good way. You know, upside down, you turn me. And I swear to you that when I dropped her off, not dropped her off, when I went inside and waited for her and watched her walk through security, that was the song that was playing over the PA. I mean, that's just one of those those kismet things that can't be a coincidence, right? And to this day, every time I hear Upside Down, I, I think of her, of course. But she thinks that I was happy and relieved to see her go. And here's, I think, also why. She's so fucking smart. I had this other Twitter account that I kind of use as like a diary, like an anonymous diary. And I think I said something about like expressing some kind of relief only because I had no money, like none. Like I was literally, if not for for staying up this, my so-called friend's house who, who ended up not being my friend and making this, our lives hell and miserable and just awful and fuck you if you're listening. Um, you know, she ended up having to pay for everything. I've, I've since have paid her back and, 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 and all that. And, and it, I made it my life's goal to do so, but I digress. Anyway, I think I expressed something like, man, you know, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost happy in a sense because I just, I can't keep feeling like such a, a bum, but I think she took it the wrong way. And somehow she found this other that other account because she's a freaking international spy or something. But anyway, I digress. So what does all of this have to do with Prince? Well, I've told you a little bit. And keep in mind that Ween 
does a song called Let Me Lick Your P Word for Whatever in the Vein of Shockadelica. And I'm going to play that for you right now. And when I come back, when I land back in Dallas, Texas, let me tell you some crazy, crazy shit. January 30th, 2011, I have just left the night before Ween at the Wiltern, and I'm now back in Dallas, Texas, and again, almost didn't make it back because they experienced, the Dallas, Texas experienced the biggest snow, I think on record to this day even, it was even called Snowmageddon. While in Los Angeles, of course, I had been talking to Erin to the point where she now picked me up. And instead of taking me home, she immediately drove me back where we had met in August at the W in this grand romantic gesture and booked this the best room. I mean, again, she was loaded. Booked the best corner room. There's no telling what this room costs per night. And, you know, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. 
and we just holed up and shacked up in this badass hotel for like literally like a week. So after like literally living like kings and queens at the at the W, finally on uh, February, and this is this is what's so crazy. Now here's what you also need to understand is that I didn't know anything about any of this. I've been gone for a month. The Super Bowl has come to Dallas for the first time. Hey, this brand new stadium uh, we call the Death Star because it looks fucking looks like it, uh, or Jerry World because it's for the, where the Dallas Cowboys play. Officially, it's called AT&T Stadium or Cowboys Stadium, if you will. And anyway, and I'm just the kind of person that like obsessively looks up entertainment calendars. I don't want to miss anything. Like I literally anything. And so I am notorious, especially I, if you think I had the energy now, 11 years ago, I would do I would be in four cities in one day. I would I don't want to miss anything. And so not only and so I was just during this week of just living at the W I was obsessing about like, okay, well, what's going on? I've always heard that when the Super Bowl comes to town, that so does the circus, you know, the you know the media circus and the fun and all this crazy shit. And so anyway, so I had seen and heard a few things, but anyway, so after letting her, you know, having her foot the bill for all this, we, you know, we we really couldn't go that. I mean, well, I literally couldn't get home now at this point. So not only did she do it out of out of as a romantic gesture. But she also has a practical one. So I can't roll like as deep as she can. I barely had any money. So I found the, a place called the Intercontinental Hotel that was in Addison, Texas. Addison, just about 20 minutes up the road. And whatever, you know, for like, you know, 60 bucks a night or something, you know. Okay. So we go and we check into the hotel. And it's at this time, I guess I was sitting around that afternoon or whatever, and I'm looking again and I hear that Prince is in town and he's going to do a private show. And I'm thinking, oh my God, fuck, this is, this can't be happening now. We can't get anywhere. What's going to happen? You know, what, you know, but, but much like Prince, we hear the same mystical you know, question mark, you know, shrouded in mystery type kind of deal. You know, well, is he or is he not? Where it's going to be here or it's going to be there. Not realizing that this actually isn't the typical prince on purpose or whatever thing. That this is actually something that is truly the victim or the culprit is, is actual dysfunction from people that didn't know what they were doing. And we don't know this. So all I can just laugh to myself and go, of course Prince is playing while I'm trapped in a hotel. But I had to look it up and see where it is. Now, at that time and place, I'm actually from Fort Worth, so I don't know Dallas any more than, than any of you listening. And I look up, and it's at this, it was supposed to be like in, like in this tent in the parking lot of this old arena called Reunion Arena, where I saw him back in like 98. Big famous arena here in, in Dallas called Reunion. Closed down, so they were just going to set up some tent in the parking lot and play there. That got moved. So it got moved to a hotel. Okay, never heard of the hotel. Look up the hotel and realize that I'm across the fucking street from it. 
That means, sure, it was snowing, but I'm, I'm not kidding you. I had to walk like 20 yards to this hotel. Uh, and, you know, actually, I, th I think actually, I, if, I, if I recall, it was at the Intercontinental Hotel. I think we were staying at, you know, the cheaper one across the street, of course. So I was like, oh, my God, like it's it's meant to be all right. But now we had to get <clears throat> get into the actual gig. And I can't even begin. I guess I can tell you why it was so easy, because it was, you know, such a, a, a loose knit thing. And all I did and was we walked over there to kind of get the lay of the land to see what was going on. And I go up to the media table. I see a table that has all these laminates that just says the event. And it has, you know, that era of Prince. I have it on my website. You can see it. And I just walked up and said, hi, uh, my name is Roy Turner. Um, I, I'm, I'm here to claim our media passes. And I just said it, just, you know, and I, and she, and I handed her my ID, which was a New York driver's license. And without even looking, she hands us two, two laminates. And I'm thinking, dear God, especially when I found out later that like tables to this for like seven people were like 20 grand. All right. Okay. So now we're here. We have found that not only is Prince playing, he's playing across the street from us, we're there, and we have our laminates, and we're ready, all right? And then this happens. So when people want to talk about that weird thing that happened with Prince and the Super Bowl in Dallas, I'm, it's, it's about to go down. Check this out. The event was actually supposed to be a benefit for the Goss Michael Foundation. Then we hear it, that is, it's our understanding that the River Alexander Group, that was the event organizer, was unable to fund and produce the event. The organizer came to the Goss Michael Foundation, invited them to be the beneficiary and receive some of the proceeds, which would have gone to their high school scholarship program. So now it's canceled. But then, like a phoenix rising, the cancellation was rescinded and our spirits are up again and it says circumstances have changed and the event featuring prince will take place this evening and it said that prince has arrived in dallas and will perform this evening hallelujah fucking luya i i'm all right and then to give give credence to it as we're there in the lobby i see sinbad I see Marlon and Sean Wayans, okay? I see freaking Erica Badu. Of course, she's, you know, she's from here. But why were we all, you know, even the, them were like scattered around in the lobby? Why weren't we welcomed upstairs into the ballroom for the, you know, why wasn't, you know, what, what, what the hell's going on here? And here's something else too. There was only like 50 people there. Maybe because it was too high or whatever. I don't know. Now, this is the part that could potentially get me in a little bit of trouble. So I have to be a little vague here. The news came in the form of a guy here in town that is the voice of one of our major sports organizations. That's going to be the only description you're going to get just so I can be protect myself. I've already given you enough information. You can connect the dots on your own. 
he was also this person was scheduled to MC the event. And if you live in Dallas, you know who this person is and you would recognize him. And he gathered like the 50 of us there. And he made this announcement with a sad frown and this litany of apologies. And he stood alone and there was nobody else around him in these efforts. And he kept saying, don't blame Prince. He really wanted to be here as if he had spoken to him or something. His band was here. His band was not there, by the way. I will take the blame. Blame me for the event not happening. You know, he he couldn't come out and tell you the truth. He couldn't do it. And you're about to find out why here in a little bit. When all along, this guy knew that, you know, that Prince was never coming. His band was not there. It was not because of the weather. And, in you know, and he's feeling, he is truly feeling bad about it because he knows that he tried to, to make this happen. And the, the probably with great intentions as well with the whole fake it till you make it type kind of deal. And it, and it blew up in his face. And he just couldn't admit to that, at least at that time. That's, that's really what happened there. And so I spoke up, of course, and I asked him, why, why shouldn't, you know, he be blamed for it? And he just smiled at me real sheepishly. He said he wasn't sure. Money, he said, was not the issue. It was absolutely the issue. And despite the press release sent out that afternoon claiming the organizer, River Alexander Group, couldn't cough up the dough to make this 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 happen. And what you need to, to know is that if you connect the dots, you will see that River Alexander Group was an entity that was registered to this guy. So in a nutshell, it was this. Super Bowl comes to town. You know, my instincts tell me this was his, in his mind, could have been his entry into a world that had that had eluded him. And this was going to be how he was going to now be a part of that conversation. You know, Goss Michael, that you're going to be the beneficiary. And then we'll tell everybody that Prince is coming. and Or, or it could have been anybody, whoever they wanted. And Prince, fuck yeah. And then they'll cough up the money. Now we've got the money. Now we've got the beneficiary. Now we'll go to the artist. So I pressed this man for more information then. And he said he didn't know if Prince was in town because he didn't know anything anyway. And he didn't know if Prince had made it out to the venue. And like I said, the assumption everybody made was logically that you know, the weather prevented it from happening. But, and it, but there was this kind of air of spite towards Prince, you know. Uh, but so we did go upstairs to see what it would have actually kind of looked like. And the cool thing was, was that Erica Badu was actually insisting on still performing to kind of make up for, you know, for what had happened. But then, you know, even that did not happen. So there's that. Okay. So when we started doing this Welcome to America series, and I knew I wanted to tell that story, this person was there, they were involved. How can I tell this story without this person? So I reached out to them. We got a response back, uh, and he was excited, ready to tell this story, because he, he never had, he never, he never spoke of it since. And I kind of just kind of told him what, you know, what I wanted to do. And I sent him a, a really uh, detailed email that said, hey, you know, we're going to do this thing detailing Welcome to America. I feel like that what happened with Prince at the Super Bowl has literally never been told. It's literally never been told. No one's ever actually gotten to the bottom of this legendary piece of the Prince folklore. And now here I am at the front line of it and able to maybe get 
to the bottom of it from like the actual person there. Like, I mean, this is a fucking exclusive, man. This is crazy. And he's into it. And we had a great conversation and we talked on the phone for a while. And my wife and I, my wife loves to camp and we were going to go and we were flying into Denver and driving down to Durango. And he and I, again, had had played phone tag and, and, and had a lot of, you know, misconnections and things like that. And he called me while we were on the trip. But what was so striking was that he was not the articulate person that he's known for. I mean, this person literally speaks for a living. Like his voice is his paycheck. He sounded high as a guy. I don't know, stone tired or whatever. All I could think of was I need to record this. Not so I can trap him. Just so, you know, I can hear this back because I can't understand this and I'm just going to drop it into some software when I get home and maybe improve upon it. So immediately my wife gives me her phone and I just, I turned like the, the voice memo thing on to record my phone that he's speaking through. Is it what I didn't realize was that I was not only opening up a can of worms, but I was poking at something that was a very raw nerve for this man. And that was not my intention. It completely took me off guard when I thought he was all going to be almost in tears. This was going to be, he said many, many times over and over again, this was going to be the greatest part it ever was. This was going to be my moment. This was going to be my chance. And then apparently, like, I guess he's even has, has received book offers, uh, according to him. I wouldn't be that surprised by that. I'm going to turn it into, a, I don't know, it, its own podcast and get paid for, you know, there was, you know, just telling me for free, I think, in his mind was leaving money on the table. And he's probably right. Who knows? The conversation was just so unexpected and so weird. Not sober, he sounded. You know, I, I couldn't imagine him calling me about this in that condition. That was just kind of strange to me. I get back home. First thing he does is he goes, hey man, he goes, your show is on iHeartRadio. My show was on Clear Channel. That's a So that was the, kind of the first, you know, roadblock. And he was like, well, all right, man, we'll, you know, we'll set something up. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I emailed him. I called, I emailed, I text and tried in vain for weeks until I finally realized that, like I said, he, he, like, he wouldn't even respond. Like, he wasn't like, and I, you know, come on, man. You can at the very least, you know, be a man and be like, hey, man, you know, I was thinking about it and I thought, you know, th I'm leaving money on the table here. You know, this story has some type of monetary value that I feel like I want to cash in on. Or he could say, hey, man, you know, this was a kind of a bit of a very painful time in my life where I, you know, I, I made some decisions that I regret and that I don't want to make public. And, and, you know, I really don't even want to revisit that time because it's too painful to. I would have said, brother, that is that is a-okay. And not that he owes me anything, but, you know, if you're going to call me on my honeymoon and, you know, high and ramble and I listen to you and then you cancel on me with what I think is now a bullshit reason and then you don't have whatever the balls that your guts are just a decency to get back to me and to say, Hey man, or do you say, Hey man, I, I can't do it. I just can't do it. But this is part of the story that people don't know. And so there you have it. Uh, that is the story of Prince as part of the welcome to America with the Super Bowl in Dallas. We'll be right back. 
Hey guys, this is Sunny Suicide, and you're listening to Tricky Kid Radio with Roy Turner. Thank you so much for listening. Prince the Encore is part of the Tricky Kid Media Network and distributed by iHeartRadio and available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Google Play Store. Subscribe for free on the iHeartRadio app or on your favorite podcast platform. All right, so now that you've recovered uh, from that, so Prince may not have been in Dallas on February the 4th, and I don't, and, but on February the 7th, he sure was in, and I say back in New York, I, my, I, I think he may have never actually have left. And on February the 7th, he is back at Madison Square Garden. And this is a show, as you heard, heard our girl D'Angela, that this was also the show where he famously invited Kim Kardashian up on stage and then kicked her ass off uh, for not dancing right or dancing it off. When I understand, check this out. And that's important because that was also his mindset. First of all, Prince ain't putting up with that kind of shit from nobody, right? But it was really on his mind, which shapes all this. Because during the song Controversy, he invites her up and she just stood there and clapped. And he responded by saying, get the hell out of here. And of course, that moment went viral, which is part of the whole like new welcome to America now. This is what happens. But it was very connected with the, the the line he sings in the song, Welcome to America, later in that show where he says, Welcome to America, where you can be famous for doing absolutely nothing at all. Now, keep in mind, the world hadn't heard that song yet, so they didn't really know what he was talking about. So, of course, they had no choice but to, to think that he was talking directly about her and making a statement about her. And I'm not saying that he was... But I most certainly ain't saying he wasn't. That he's gonna, there's gonna be an after show, an after party. You know, he's gonna do one in Dubuque, Iowa. Of course, he's gonna do one in New York. But New York, yeah, it doesn't matter who's playing. They're, they kind of end up somewhere else. So later that night, he winds up at the Derby. Uh, again, Questlove is there on drums. He brings up Talib Kweli, and they just do a lot of you know fun jams. You know, mainly covers. Played for about an hour. 
uh, for a couple hundred people. And does it a week again, a week later on Valentine's Day, and just does a couple of songs uh, at a private residence in Beverly Hills, uh, probably his own, the probably the thirty one twenty one location. Uh, but he does brown skin again that, that winds up on Welcome to America with Indiari. And then a week later, the tour, besides that little, you know, one-off in Beverly Hills, the actual official tour sees its West Coast debut. But just like Europe, some crazy shit's going down because on February 21st, he plays the Oracle Arena in Oakland, California. And, you know, for two shows, and two Oakland shows were announced literally like five days before on February the 16th. Uh, which was kind of, you know, what he was doing also in Europe with mixed results. But he pulls off, th- you know, the, the three shows in Oakland. And again, there's really not a lot of, you know, it's almost like he's already starting to lose interest in Welcome to America because it's supposed to be the Welcome to America tour and there wasn't anything at these three shows that would suggest that this is a new tour with that title and those songs. A few weeks later, on the night of my 37th birthday, uh, he does a private party. Uh, It was a following a party hosted by Tyler Perry at the SLS Hotel in Beverly Hills. Literally not much is known other than the fact that Sheila E. And of course, again, he was hanging out with Sinbad at that time. Uh, Not not much else uh, is known uh, about that. So... And then oddly, he takes the tour back to the East Coast in the most unlikely, uh, I wouldn't say unlikely, I'm sure there's Prince fans everywhere, but but when you think about Prince doing multiple night stands or multiple you know shows, I guess he wanted to hit some places he hadn't been to in a while or if ever. And then between March 21st and March 30th, he does six shows in the North, in, in the Carolinas. Columbia, Raleigh, Charlotte, Greensboro, Greenville, and North Charleston. With the show on the 24th being somewhat memorable there at the Time Warner Cable Arena in Charlotte, North Carolina, for a couple of reasons. You might have seen this picture. We have it on our website. Is that when entering the arena, Prince oddly rode a bicycle to get to the stage, which was kind of strange. And later, uh, when we get into part four, uh, I actually saw him do the this exact same thing during one of the nights, at, uh, the mini nights at the Forum. This show was also professionally filmed. I don't know if we'll ever get a chance to see it. Um, but uh, some of it you have, like Cool, including the interpolation of, of Michael Jackson's Don't Stop You Get Enough and Let's Work were included in the 2011 Prince Behind the Symbol TV broadcast. That's all we've ever seen of it. So maybe they, they did the whole show and they were just need just mine it for that and then move on to the next. But there's a full show out there. But but again, n- nothing about these shows would suggest anything about again, Welcome to America. But that would be short lived because the, probably when people think about this era, they think about the twenty one nights, technically fifteen, but you know. Who's counting? We are, and you'll know why. But now, coming up next, in part four of our Welcome to America series, 
we're going to take you to the forum and we're going to walk you through it all. I was actually there for literally 99% of it. And that whole thing is it's, it was a whole other crazy, crazy story with a crazy time in my life. To my left right now is a Welcome to America poster that has all of my ticket subs on it. If you've ever have seen I do part four and 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 what's going to be cool is that on part four we're going to have one half of the twins maya mclean is here and a few other special guests so keep on rocking with us uh thank you i know this episode was a lot longer than some of our other ones but i told you man it's crazy it's nuts and i hope you've enjoyed it stick around and we'll see you next week this has been a presentation of tricky kid media originals Distributed by iHeartRadio. Created, directed, edited, and mastered by Roy Turner. Artwork by Antora Sandy. Marketing and PR by Francesca Miles. Prince the Encore is hosted by Roy Turner with introductions by me, Tabby Cat. Follow us on Twitter at TrickyKid2 and at Cat underscore Tabby. You can also follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash DJ Tricky Kid or twitch.tv forward slash Tabby Cat. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week. Roy Turner is a proud member of the Purple Avengers, a collective of Prince scholars, bringing an academic approach to his monolithic body of work via Megathreads on Twitter, hosted by Edgar Cruz and DJ UMB.